Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Sunday, April 17th, 2011. This is episode 762. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time, yes, indeed, once again, to talk about technology that's not just computers, that's not just the World Wide Web, that's not just Facebook or Twitter, oh no, far more than that. A lot of cell phone talk these days, because those are the personal computers that uh, everybody's carrying around all the time. We also talk a lot about home theater. In fact, Scott Wilkinson's coming up at 33 after the hour to talk about home theater, answer some of your questions. Photography, one of my favorite subjects, digital photography, transforming the world. We talk about it all. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number if you want to talk with me, because, of course, I don't want to just sit here and gas on and on by myself. I'd like you to gas on and on with me. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S., if you're outside the U.S., if you're in Canada or Norway or Sweden or China or Singapore or Israel, we've gotten calls from all those places. You just use Skype out. That's free to call a toll-free number in the U.S. But you need plus one eight 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 two seven five five three six. That's the number you need to call. Oh, I got an invitation. I still don't know if it's a hoax. <laughs> but I think it's real from the president of France. So the G8 summit is uh, is coming up in France. It's going to be in Deauville this year, in Normandy, uh, end of May. And uh, President Sarkozy, who is the host, uh, you know, France is the host nation, he's the host leader. The G8 is the leaders of the eight developed nations, U.S., Canada, France, Britain, Germany. That's five. I'm sure there are three more that I'm leaving out. Uh, they meet yearly, the G8 summit. You know, that's when they have all the protests and, you know, people go crazy. But it's a, it, these countries do need to talk, especially in the tough economic times, so that uh, they can act in concert to improve the lives of their people, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, President Sarkozy, who has kind of a mixed record on Internet issues, I must say, is asking uh, technology leaders all over the world to join him in Paris a few days before for something he's calling the EG8 Summit. Jeff Bezos of Amazon, uh, Larry Page, CEO of Google, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, Ev uh, Williams of Twitter, and uh, I actually, I don't know who was going for Twitter. They keep changing the man in charge. It's Dick Costello now. Uh, we'll all be at this EG8 Summit, and uh, the theory being that they will have a chance to meet with leaders and tell them what the Internet asks of them, what's right for the Internet. Now, Sarkozy, whose record with net neutrality is pretty poor, he's the one who proposed the three strikes law for uh, people who steal on the Internet, who pirate on the Internet, 
the law that would after three uh, accusations, not convictions, but accusations of piracy would block you from Internet use for the rest of your life. That's nice. That's a real nice law. France passed a modified version of that. So his record, his track record may be a little bit uh, iffy, but I'm welcoming this as a chance to set him straight, as I'm sure some of these other CEOs of tech companies will. I'm very excited about the opportunity, in fact, to, uh, to go to this event. I, may, I don't know. I don't think I'll miss any shows. Uh, he's the, the EG8 is the 23rd and 24th of May. It's midweek. It's so darn expensive to go to France unless you stay on a Saturday. I guess I might have to spend an extra day in Paris. I don't know. Sorry, honey. Just got to. But uh, what an exciting uh, opportunity. And I do hope that the leaders of these nations listen. Because there is, I think, has been up to now a real disconnect between, and it's true in the U.S., it's true all over the world, between the interests of the people, that's you and me, and the interests of the movie industry, the record industry, the telephone companies, the wireless carriers, all these big companies would like to control the Internet with an iron fist to keep us from using it in ways they think hurt their business. And, of course, politicians are swayed by businesses. Businesses have the money. The businesses give them money. Businesses make them money in taxes. And we, the people, the little people, we just don't stand up too often to be heard. Now, there are a lot more of us than there are of them. And the truth is, politicians serve at our pleasure. They may think Google's important, but Google's only important if we don't stand up and be counted. It's our votes they need. It's our support they need. They work for us. So I want to go there and say, hey, look, Sure, uh, the record industry would like you to shut pirates down. But more important to the long-term health of your economy and the future of your people, to democracy in the world, is a free and open Internet. You could see that. You could see it in Egypt. You could see it in Tunisia. You could see it in Yemen. You could see it in Libya. You could see it every day. The free and open Internet promotes democracy promotes innovation, promotes, frankly, economic growth. It's good for your country. And anything you do to protect these moneyed interests, these content-rich companies, to the detriment of the open Internet is in the long run bad for you, bad for the people. And I, I, I relish the chance to go there and say that. And I hope that I do get to say that. Uh, because, boy, I sure believe in it. So I'm I'm looking forward, uh, and, and I think it's actually very encouraging that President Sarkozy has asked these leaders. Uh, Eric Schmidt of Google will be there. He's no longer CEO, but he is chairman of the board. Jack Ma of Alibaba, which is a very big Chinese search engine. Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. And me. I don't know how I got on that list. And they may, they may stone me as... <laughs> As I leave, but I can promise you that that's, I'm going to stand up and say it. I'm going to say it loud and clear. And uh, they may not listen to me, but I plan uh, to make sure that they hear it. And I hope they absorb it. 8888 Ask Leo. That's the number if you want to talk about uh, that. What you think, what is, what is the best way to run the internet? 
Last week, the uh, House of Representatives, and I think the Senate's expected to approve this, passed a law saying the FCC may not enforce its net neutrality regulations. The FCC proposed regulations that would protect a free and open Internet, and the House said, no, 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 we don't want, we don't want a free and open Internet. Actually, what they said is, of course, it's, it ends up being a political debate, is, oh, the government shouldn't be involved. Let the market rule. But the problem is the government already was in there, made a mess of it. The FCC created these duopolies. We have only, really, in most areas, one or two Internet service providers because the FCC said that the cable companies had a monopoly and the phone companies had a monopoly. So now, if you ask me, the mess having been made by the government must be cleaned up by the government. I don't want government intervening in the Internet, but I don't see any way around it. Maybe the, maybe the best thing the government could do, and maybe the, maybe the Republicans in the House who voted for this uh, law would get behind this, is to create more competition. Maybe the government needs needs to open up the uh, you know the internet, support new internet service providers in a in a town where there are twenty internet service providers. If one provides true net neutrality, that one's going to get the business. So maybe that's what because right now with two or three, they all just collude. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's forget that net neutrality thing. That's a bad idea. You, I won't do it if you won't. No, I won't do it. Okay, good. That's why. That's that's what happens when you have monopolies. That's why there's a long-standing tradition in federal law called antitrust. You're not supposed to do that. Ah, uh, let's see. All right, don't you got me started, Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson Jr., House of uh, Representatives. He's a Democrat from Illinois says that the iPad is responsible for eliminating thousands of American jobs. Okay, now I'm mad. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's talk right after this. Laporte, the tech guy. I got to play this clip for you. This is, uh, I can't, this is almost unbelievable. This is uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. Uh, He's a Democrat uh, representative from uh, Illinois, the House of Representatives. Uh, This is is a C-SPAN clip. I'm getting it from realclearpolitics.com. Let me just skip ahead to... uh, 31 seconds in on this speech, because he says something that's, well, frankly, it's just a little strange, a little bizarre, and I'd like you to, I'd like you to hear it. I happen to believe, Mr. Speaker, that at some point in time, this new device, which is now probably responsible for eliminating thousands of American jobs. The iPad. Now Borders is closing stores, because why do you need to go to Borders anymore? Why do you need to go to Barnes & Noble? Buy an iPad and download your book. Download your newspaper. Download your magazine. Chicago State University in my congressional district, in freshman class, they're not being given textbooks any longer. They're all being given iPads as they enter school. Right on. President Wayne Watson hopes to have a textbookless campus 
within four years, <gasps> where at this state university, they no longer have textbooks. Shocking. Well, what becomes of publishing companies that and publishing <laughs> company jobs? What? Wait, wait a minute. This is like the guy 100 years ago who said, this Henry Ford making cars, what becomes of buggy whip makers? They're all out of work now. Because of bookstores and librarians and all of the jobs associated with paper. Well, the librarians, the distant future, the horror. such jobs simply will not exist. Steve Jobs is doing pretty well. He's created the iPad. <laughs> Certainly. Okay. <laughs> but now, okay, now this is where I really despair. Obviously, that's goofy. One month ago, Jesse Jackson Jr. made a proposal that the federal government buy an iPad for every kid in the country. He said, the same guy one month ago said these devices are revolutionizing our country and they will fundamentally alter how we educate our children. He says everybody should get an iPad. I'm confused. Obviously, so is Mr. Jackson. <laughs> and you wonder why I despair. You're right. Government probably shouldn't get involved in net neutrality if that's the kind of people who be involved. Make up your mind, sir. <laughs> when you decide, let me know. The iPad. Killing jobs or great for education? Maybe it's both. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. Does not have does not share his father's rhetorical flair, does he? Uh that's oh it's mind boggling. I don't even know what to say. Eighty eight eighty eight ask Leo back to or let's go to the phones. Maybe maybe you can help me out here understand this. Eight 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 two seven five five three six. David, Tampa, Florida. Hello, David Leo Laporte. How's it going, Leo? Going well. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Um, I had a question about that not 32 antivirus. All right. Um, is it just an antivirus, or does it do spyware and malware or registry errors? Now, i got to say a disclaimer right up front, and uh, uh, actually I, I think we probably shouldn't become uh, a um, Q&A forum for our advertisers. They have a website, but... Uh, Nod32 is an advertiser, longtime advertiser on this show. So disclaimer up front. I happen to know a little bit about it because I use it. Here's, you know, the funny thing is uh, when malware, we now say malware. We used to just say viruses, right? Uh, when viruses uh, started or when your computer started to be attacked by adware or spyware, I don't know if people remember this. We had viruses at the time. But antivirus companies were very, very reluctant to adapt to attack spyware and adware. They, uh, they just, they did, they'd washed their hands of it. They didn't want to do it. That's why Spybot and Adware came out. My friend Steve Gibson, who first discovered spyware, coined the term, wrote a, a program to fight it because the antivirus companies wouldn't. And the reason they wouldn't, it was a, it was a, they were nervous because it wasn't clear whether these companies that were creating adware were ex expressing their First Amendment rights to advertise. <laughs> it's business speech. 
not as protected as as our own free speech, but somewhat protected. And they didn't want to get in a situation. They didn't want to get sued. Let's face it. They didn't want these companies to come along and say, well, wait a minute. You're you're uh, you're infringing on our ability to advertise. Blocking pop ups, going after spyware and adware. That's uh, that's not a virus. Well, over time, I think we've realized that. Anything that gets on your computer against your will and modifies your computer hate behavior is malware. That's why we've we've expanded the, the phrase to include antiviruses, include now, and all of them do this, not just not 32, anti-spyware, anti-adware, uh, anti-phishing, anti-trojans. I suppose there are some that might not, but boy, you shouldn't buy them because frankly, it's it's indistinguishable. Anytime somebody puts something on your system that modifies your system's behavior, that's malware. That's an infestation, and it, and it deserves to be eradicated, and they have no protection. Uh, there, To my knowledge, there weren't any lawsuits, but companies eventually, uh, all the antivirus companies eventually came around and said, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I guess that's bad stuff. So to, to answer your specific question about not 32 but this is true about all antiviruses. Yes, absolutely. It protects you against spyware. And the truth is you no longer need a separate anti-spyware scanner like spybot search and destroyer adaware uh those companies still are around but uh they're of dubious value what you really need is a good security program that keeps an eye out for programs from the internet trying to modify your system without permission that's it that's my definition of malware jay in providence north carolina you're next leo laporte the tech guy Hey, Leo, I had a glimpse into the future uh, last weekend at, at the dazzling Windows 7. <laughs> not not that that's really the future, but you probably know what I mean. I'm, 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 yeah, I do. <laughs> and I decided that it's probably not going to be for me on my next computer purchase. I know that they have a Windows 8 in the works, that Google has a Chrome browser in the works, and that Mac has stuff available other than Windows 7. I wonder if you can help me figure out which is right for me. That's an interesting question. Now, remember, the operating system is different from the browser, so don't confuse the two. You can run Chrome on Windows 7. You can run Firefox on Windows 7. You can even run Macintosh or Apple's Safari on Windows 7. So the browser is separate. In fact, there's no reason and there's no penalty not to have a number of different browsers. Uh, but the operating system is another question. If you are buying a Windows machine today, no question in my mind you should be getting a Windows 7 machine. Windows 8 is at least a year off, so that's not you know in the equation. I personally prefer Macs. I just saw a picture of all of the Facebook developers. It was a conference uh, of all the Facebook developers. Every single one of them had a Mac in their lap. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, if you're certainly if you're a programmer, if you're a web developer, if you're a video editor, if you're recording audio, if you're it, it, you should get a Mac. The only reason to still get a Windows in the home is if you have to run business software that requires Windows. That's my personal opinion. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888. Ask Leo's the phone number, as always, at this time. We uh, talk to our friend Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, columnist for Home Theater Magazine, and a regular on the show to talk about home theater. Hey, happy, uh, is it Passover today or tomorrow? Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure if it starts tonight or tomorrow. We should tomorrow. say Scott's not Jewish. He just likes to eat matzo ball soup. <laughs> so he's having two seders tonight and tomorrow. Tonight is my first seder and tomorrow night also. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be uh, swimming in matzo ball soup. It's going to be great. <laughs> so Scott and I were at the uh, NAB show, the National Association of Broadcasters show this week. And I have to say, you know, we brought we didn't do it on the radio show, uh, but we did broadcast because it was a midweek uh, show. But we did broadcast right. uh, on the podcast network. I have twit. Uh, mm-hmm. All day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then most of the day, Thursday, lots mm-hmm. of content. And I was a little nervous because I thought, well, this is a show for pro broadcasters. This isn't a consumer show. This isn't like CES. And there, I mean, the things we're talking about cost, in some cases, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. You know, Sony's showing a, a camera that's for... Uh, movie makers, you know, the, the, and, and, and what is it? The F 65. That's, that's eight, what it is. The F 65. Eight K. Is it eight K? It captures, this is interesting. It captures at eight K, which is 8,000 some pixels across by probably 4,000 something the, the down. The equivalent of eight HD TV screens on one yes. screen. I mean, that's how high quality it is. Yes, exactly right. However, interestingly, it only outputs at 4K. Oh, Okay. You know, so the question is, well, why do you capture at 8K then? Well, the reason is that if you capture an image at a higher resolution than it's ultimately going to be, you're going to have a better quality picture than if you capture at the resolution you want it to be. So now you might say, well, why would anybody who is interested in consumer electronics be interested in this? Well, for a number of reasons. First of all, we all go to movies. But it also tells us kind of where the movie industry is headed in the next few years, uh, where the broadcast industry is headed. And ultimately, this stuff, frankly, does come down to affordable levels. I couldn't be doing the podcast network that I do if it weren't for this broadcast gear becoming more affordable for a, a mere mortal. That's exactly right. And we did see a lot of downward migration of pricing as well. For example, on the show from NAB, on our coverage uh, of it, we had somebody from Red Digital Cinema. Now, they make a digital camera called, it used, the the original one was the Red One, and it's a very popular uh, 4K camera, which is perfectly good for capturing high def because you go from 4K down to 1920 by 1080, which some people call 2K, roughly. Um, and it was relatively inexpensive. Well, at the NAB show, they showed a new camera called the Epic, uh, which records in 5K resolution. And I immediately thought, well, what? Hmm, that's one better than 4K. Are we in, well, I asked spinal, them about that. They spinal said, tap they said because people with uh, people when the red came out, the 4K camera came out, quibbled about whether it was truly uh, uh, you know, quad res- mm. quad HD resolution. So they said, right. well, okay, take this. We'll make it 5K. <laughs> and now it's at least 4K. Right. And and uh, the guy from Red told us that the production models, they're not quite into production yet. They do have some prototypes, but the production models are going to be on the order of like $30,000, which sounds like a lot of money. Oh, man. But, but I it's mean, really not. It means, uh, you know, remember... Uh, 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 
uh, Rodriguez. Uh, is it Robert or Rodriguez? Uh, the, yeah, Robert. Uh, yeah, I forget. Yeah, I know who you're talking the about. Director, uh, at, of the director of the Mexico. The Mexican. Of the, and he, 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 he made that movie by maxing out his credit cards to buy film stock. Right. And now somebody like that, instead of maxing out your card for film stock, could spend the same or less on these cameras and get amazing results. You and I, uh, Scott and I went to the red booth and, uh, went to a, a short film that they made in one week with red, these red. Uh, this was cameras. amazing. They made this film specifically and exclusively for NAB just to show at the show. And they made it in a week. The, the guy who made it conceived it on a Saturday. They, he wrote the script on a Sunday. They shot it, they sh- built the sets on a Monday, shot it Tuesday and Wednesday, edited Thursday and Friday, zipped the file over to NAB on, on Friday. And, and there it was for the show. And it was incredible. It was amazing. It the was detail, the, the, the precision Now we were watching it projected from a Sony 4K projector, which are, these right. are fairly common in theaters. Now, most digital theaters are moving to 4K, right? I would I wouldn't say most of them have 4K yet, but a good number of them do. And Sony is responsible for that. Right. They're really the only company that produces a 4K digital cinema projector. And it's now I don't remember how many theaters it's in, but it's in quite it's a few. And here's the reason I say I mention all this. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about 3D and certainly there were 3D cameras there was there a ton from, of 3D there. from all the manufacturers. But I would say, and I thought this was telling, that 4K and uh, double frame rate, 48 frames a second yep. and 60 frames a second, yep. uh, got a lot of attention too. That's what James Cameron wants to. In other words, move to. In other words, filmmakers, they've, they've absorbed the idea of 3D. They're not against 3D. They're using 3D. But they're also looking at making the f- movies, the 2D movies, more realistic with higher resolutions and higher frame rates, and, and that's what frame rate. that's. I'm I'm so happy to hear that because in my mind that's better than 3D, because your mind makes it 3D because it's so it's so realistic. You're exactly right. It does. Um, and Cameron, of course, was talking about using the higher frame rates and 3D, combining right. them together. Right. That's fine. Uh, I don't mind that as long as I get good t- t- 2D 4K with with <laughs> 60 frames or 48 frames. I'll I'll take that. You guys can all wear the funny glasses. <laughs> Now, I must say, uh, regarding um, uh, the democratization or the lowering price of products, Sony was showing uh, a couple of 3D cameras, one of which is like 3400 bucks, and one was like 1500 bucks. 3D cameras, but would allow you, uh, most hobbyists, or serious hobbyists anyway, or wannabe stereographers, could, could now get into true 3D. A GoPro. Did you happen to see the GoPro booth? Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm aware of these cameras. These are the little cameras people wear in their helmets when they ski or they dive or you can wear them on other parts of your body. And now they they have a stereo GoPros, two GoPros. Which will record 3D of your ski run. (laughs) And that's for like 600 bucks. Yeah. For a stereo rig. Now, it's very limited, of course, but uh, it just shows you where the market is going. Um, another thing I saw that was very interesting, the very last thing on Thursday, you had already left. You, I think you left Wednesday I night. I did, yeah, Wednesday night. And uh, we had a wonderful time at the Heil party. Bob Heil threw a big party, and you were there for the first hour, and I was covering it for the second hour. Bob makes all the mics I use. Not yeah, yours, exactly. I notice, but he uses everybody <laughs> well, makes my mic. Yeah. I asked him about this at dinner. I said, do you make any USB mics? Because that's what I really need for podcasting. And he said, no, nah, I don't make USB mics. No. So uh, anyway, on Thursday, I was just about to leave town and I got an email that said, you really should go see this glasses free 3D, this a new glasses free 3D technology that was being shown at the Threality booth. Now, Threality is a company that makes 3D cameras, professional 3D cameras, 
and uh, processors and all kinds of stuff for professional 3D um, production. And this company, 3D Fusion, was there showing a glasses-free 3D display. And you and I saw that at CES. And I think you would probably agree with me. We were underwhelmed. More than underwhelmed. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, you have to stand in a particular place, and and if you move off axis a little bit, you get weird crosstalk and and banding issues. Well, this company has solved those problems. I saw an early prototype, admittedly, of of a fifty two inch glasses free three D TV that was showing images being shot live just outside the 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 booth where they were between the Did you have to stay in a certain spot to see No, this is the key. They've eliminated How are they doing it? It's a bunch of secret sauce. (laughs) They can't really say, but they are doing a lot of math based processing. And I all I know is I walked around that TV from one side to the other and I could not see a boundary between what are called the viewing cones. Wow. Who makes this? Uh, 3D Fusion. So we'll look for this in the future. Scott Wilkinson, Editor-in-Chief, UltimateAVMag.com. Email him at scott at techguylabs.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888. Ask Leo. Scott's telling me uh, off the air about a company called 3D Fusion, the number 3DFUSION.com, that makes a glasses free 3D that he was quite amazed with at, uh, at, C- at uh, the NAB show, the National Association of Broadcasters show. There was a lot of 3D there. It's funny because when we went to the Red Booth, as you're waiting to get in to see the super high res film that they made, they show you a bunch of uh, the 3D trailers. Actually, it was one 3D trailer for uh, the next Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm so underwhelmed by this. We've got to put the glasses on. It makes me queasy. You know, it just doesn't. And, it's, and it completely detracts from whatever story there is. It's all about the effects. And I just, I just, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I do not get it, and I really wish that they would put their energies into 4K, 5K, higher frame rates, all of which make it look super real. If you could, if you imagine you're looking through a pane of glass at actual real-life events, that's how it looks. It looks like it's actually happening. And, you know, the truth is, when you look out your window, you're looking at a 2D scene. The distant, the stuff that's more than a few feet distant from you is fully 2D. Your eyes aren't far enough apart to really be able to give you a stereoscopic view of it unless you move your head around. So if you hold your head still, you're looking at 2D scene. Does it look 2D? Do the flowers look 2D out the window? No, because your brain knows. So to me, I'm going to let my brain do the 3D, not these goofy glasses and 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 suspect uh, image manipulation on the on the screen. So, and, but I thought it was interesting. James Cameron and uh, his partner Vincent Pace spoke they were they gave the keynote address at the national association of broadcasters show cameron of course who for 10 years made avatar he made he made it his mission to bring back 3d if you're going to point to one person 
who brought 3D back. It's James Cameron. And uh, I thought it was interesting. They formed a company. He, 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 has a, you know, he, he believes in 3D. He also believes that 3D can be done badly. And he doesn't want 3D to die because it's done poorly. He, wa- he believes in 3D so much, particularly in the movie theater, that he wants filmmakers to do it right. So he's created a company with Vincent Pace and a, and a system. I don't want to call it a camera. It's a whole system that will not only do proper 3D, but at the same time do super high-res 4K, do super high frame rate. It, it, it does all of the above. And it's my opinion that what Cameron's really saying is we want filmmakers to make more realistic films of all kinds. And it doesn't have to be 3D. I think he's smart because as soon as the uh, consuming public gets tired of getting nauseated at movies, they're going to want the next thing, aren't they? And, and of course, if you think about it, TV manufacturers love this. Because they have, otherwise, you're not going to buy another TV for 10 years. just read an article, my friend uh, M.G. Siegler, who writes for TechCrunch on his blog, talks about the notion that Apple might make a TV. And he says, one of the reasons Apple should make a TV is because Apple's the only company that could convince you to buy a new TV every year. Oh, great. Oh, happy day. I can't wait. Jay in Providence, North Carolina, we were talking to you, Jay, earlier, and I apologize for putting you on hold. You're looking for which operating system is right for you. What are your choices right now, uh, Jay? What are you What are you thinking about? Oh, Jay's, is Jay there, or did I lose... I wonder if I've lost control of the phones, Luis. I did. Okay. Well, so, uh, you know, he mentioned Chrome, and I think I, I, in hindsight he wasn't mentioning the browser Chrome. He was talking about Chrome OS. So if let's, let's, let's um, enumerate, shall we, a little Sesame Street action here, uh, the operating systems available to you. I'm going to eliminate the ones that are old, like Windows XP and, and Windows Vista. Let's talk about the current versions of Windows, Windows 7. Current version of Mac OS X Snow Leopard, soon to be Lion. I think we'll see Lion in the next couple of months, but let's say Snow Leopard. Uh, Chrome OS, which is Google's idea of an operating system that's really not an operating system. It's just a browser. You do everything in the browser, but I have a Chrome OS laptop. Google Google sent them out to a lot of people. Uh, interesting. Of course, iOS, the iPad and iPhone operating system, that's a true OS, as is WebOS that HP bought. Android, of course, is a full operating system. When you put it on tablets, uh, it really, you know, especially the newer uh, version of Android, Honeycomb, which is, you know, uh, not fully baked, but when it's fully baked, uh, should be delicious. And I got to throw in BlackBerry's new playbook, which uh, should come out two days from now. I ordered one. I'll have it by next week. We could talk about it. Um, That's running a, a modified version of an operating system called QNX. So that's, I've got seven. Oh, wait a minute. Linux. And it's flavors. Now, Android is a flavor of Linux, but I'll give Linux a separate uh, version because there's a desktop version of Linux, too. And there are many desktop versions, but let's not call all that one. So that's eight mainstream operating systems you can choose from. Uh, now, some of them are not designed for the desktop. They're designed only for tablets or, or mobile phones. Um, although there's a blurring of a line there, isn't there? Which is best for you, Jay wants to know. Well, I guess... It really comes down to how you're going to use it. So if you're going to use it uh, for business, for instance, if I look out at my main office just through the door there, 
uh, where the financial people are, the business people are, they're all using Windows. It just makes sense. You could use a Mac, and there are many businesses that run on Macs, but truthfully, it's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. Windows is great for business. Uh, my CEO is not going to do her spreadsheets in anything but Excel, period. I tried to get her to use Google uh, spreadsheet. No, it's got to be Excel or nothing. So she's got Windows out there, not Mac, Excel, Windows, Excel, Windows 7. So I think that's a very good choice if you have line of business software or any software that requires Windows. It makes sense. Of course, Windows can run on Macintoshes, and that's what I typically do. I'll buy a Mac. They're more expensive, but I like how they're made. I like the ability to run OS X. I have a kind of soft spot in my heart for OS X. But when I need to run Windows, I can either boot into Windows or run it in a little window within the Macintosh. That's called virtualization, and I'm perfectly happy with that. So all my laptops have Windows and OS X on them. I think OS X for home users is nice for, for one primary reason. It is, right now, doesn't have the same security issues that Windows does. You, you, you really can survive on a Mac without going crazy over security. Not because it's inherently secure. If people attack you specifically, they can get in. Uh, it's a little more, I think it is a little more secure, but primarily it's because it's not attacked. On the uh, so the, so on the desktop, I would say Mac for home, Windows for business. If you wanted just a kind of quick rule of thumb, obviously there's lots of variables you should consider. You should consider who you're going to get support from. If your support system is all Windows users, well, by all means get Windows. Because you know what the truth is, there's not a huge difference between the two in terms of applications available, in terms of functionality, security is the, the the one big difference. If you're a gamer, you probably want to get a Windows machine. Windows has an advantage. Gaming, Mac has an advantage in security. But rule of thumb, Windows for business, Mac for home. It's a little more complicated on tablets. I think there's, in my my opinion right now, there's no question Apple owns the tablet market space. There is nothing comparable. I've played with a Zoom. Uh, I'll get the playbook. I was very impressed. I played with it briefly when I had it for uh, Regis and Kelly. Nice. But I, but I have to say, iPad, because of the rich application environment, alone is really the king of the hill. There's just no question about it. So for tablets, iPad, period. Galaxy Tab's pretty nice. That Samsung, I like it, but I got I to gotta give, uh, give a thumbs up for the iPad. On the mobile phone, I, it's, for me, I prefer Android. I'm a strong Android supporter. I think there are, the, the number of choices in hardware handsets and carriers alone really puts it over the top. Because you can get an Android phone on any carrier, you can get choose from usually two or three different ones on any carrier. So you've got some real choices. I think choice is good. As far as the application uh, universe, it's just as rich on Android. Most of the applications you want are available on both. The iPhone is a very good choice for a new smartphone user. Actually, I think Windows Phone 7 is a very good choice for a new smartphone user. But if you're a power user uh, or you want more choice or you want to be on a variety of carriers or you want to choose your own carrier and it's not Verizon or AT&T, I have to think that uh, the Android phone is the best choice there. So there you go. That's my thought on uh, on the best operating systems. But understand, it really is a religious battle in a lot of ways. And that's unfortunate. There's a lot of my team is best stuff going on out there that has nothing to do with logic or rationality or or making the right choice it just has to do with 
I live and die for the 49ers. You know, it's about it's team mentality, sports mentality. Don't be fooled by it. You know, make a rational choice. You don't have, Unless you really like wearing uh, Apple's rainbow colors, yeah, go ahead. More calls to come. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk about technology, anything with a chip in it. Phone number is 888-827-5536. That easier to remember, maybe 8888-ASK-LEO. Yeah, the folks at the radio station spent a lot of money for that number, so use it. 88, sure they did. 8888-ASK-LEO. Leo. Apple's facing a class action lawsuit over in-app purchases. See, uh, you probably, uh, no, this is a ridiculous lawsuit, but I understand why it's being filed and I share the parents' concern. So you probably um, noticed if you have an iPad or an iPhone that uh, when you buy an app, it asks you to log in. I think that's good, right? So make sure it's you buying the application. Similarly, many applications allow you within the application, this is something Apple added later, to buy additional stuff. Uh, You know, very common if you're doing one of those farming games. They all have the same model. They're free, right? Free until you want some more magic mojo beans or whatever it is. And then, oh, well, we can really speed this along if you would just spend a little cash on some mojo beans and you do that by by you know in 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 without leaving the application you don't have to go to the iTunes store and the application says buy more juice and you you click the button and you spend 6 bucks and you buy more juice or 60 or more and you buy more juice and that's how they make their money uh Smurfs Village and Tapfish do this and the problem is these games like Smurfs Village are aimed at kids i guess for instance, in Smurfs Village, uh, if you want to speed things along, you buy some Smurf berries, and you can buy as much as $100 worth. If you are playing the tap fish game, you can buy new fish for your aquarium or food or other accoutrement with fish bucks. Again, in-app purchase. The problem is, if mom or dad has logged in within the last, say, 15 minutes, you're not asked for the password. So the parents who are suing in this class action lawsuit are upset because they provided the login at some point, forgot it, 15 minutes before the 15-minute time limit was up. Junior got a hold of it and bought thousands of dollars worth of fish because Junior didn't know any better. Junior's five years old, and I want a new fish. I want a new fish. I want a new fish. Hey, it's easy. I just clicked that button. They don't, it doesn't, you know, it could be a three-year-old. It doesn't take them long to figure this out. I've watched three-year-olds know how to launch Netflix, watch movies, all this stuff. 
So um, some parents complaining about this were able to get a, a refund. They have to really yell and complain. But um, they uh, other parents con- contacted Congress. Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, asked the FTC to look into the issue. Markey said, companies shouldn't be able to use Smurfs and Snowflakes and zoos as online ATMs pulling money from the pockets of unsuspecting parents. Now, Apple's already fixed this. I think in, in-store in purchases now require a password every single time. That's how they fixed it. But the FTC is still investigating. If you go into the... Uh, by the way, I, I think there's no merit because if you go into the parental controls on iOS... You can disable in-app purchases. Last month, when they updated to 4.3, then they turned off the 15-minute timer, so every single time you have to re-enter the password. I think Apple has done a good job of protecting parents here. You can only do so much. Is Apple, uh, should, should they pay up? There are other ways around this. In fact, uh, I'm reading an article from uh, Ars Technica, which I really love, their infinite loop column. And uh, Chris Forsman, who says, you know, you could always, and I think this is a good solution, create a separate account for the parents and the kids. You connect the second account, the kid's account, you just don't connect it to a credit card. And you maybe have a monthly allowance. This is what I did with my kids. I gave them 20 bucks a month to buy music because I didn't want them pirating. That's two CDs a month. That's fair, right? And then that's it. So you log, but now in order for that to work, you either have to have a separate iPad for the kid. Most people don't do that. Or you have to remember to log out and then give the iPad to the kid. So it's a little complicated. Best solution, I think, is to turn off in-app purchases in the settings of your iPad. Or sue. (laughs) Problem with class action lawsuits, uh, you never make any money. The only people who ever get any money out of that are the lawyers. I have to admit, it's pretty obvious when you create a Smurf game aimed at kids and you allow them to buy $100 worth of Smurf berries in the game that it's a little cynical of the company that makes the Smurf game. And maybe Apple should turn off in-app purchases by default as uh, Web5476 suggests in our chat room. Uh, but I think a lawsuit over this, that's goofy. David in Long Beach wants to know about presentation software on the iPad. We'll talk about that. And Kevin in New Mexico is wondering whether to wait for the latest Motorola Droid, the Bionic. I'll talk about that. But first, can I talk about backup? You got to back it up to get it back. And that's why I recommend Carbonite Online Backup. Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, it's automatic, so you don't have to remember to back it up. That's really important. So many people, you know, have good backup solutions, but they just never use them. Uh, and it's also backing it up off-site. That's very important, too, because if you, it's, it's fine to have an external drive. A lot of people do that you back up to. But what happens if the worst happens? There's a fire, flood, earthquake, tornado. Somebody breaks in, steals everything. You've lost your backups, too. You've got to have backups somewhere else as well. That's your second line of defense. That's where Carbonite's so great. Unlimited backup of all your personal data from your internal drive for less than five bucks a month. That's a good deal. Unlimited backup. All the personal data on your internal drive. Mac or PC, less than five bucks a month. It's easy to get back to. That's key. And by the way, Carbonite gives you 
the ability to access that data anywhere, anytime from any computer. So it's almost like cloud storage, too. Well, you try it free for two weeks. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code LEO. If you decide to buy, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12 when you uh, use my name, Leo. So Carbonite, C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E, Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. You got to back it up to get it back, so do it right. With Carbonite, David Long Beach, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, David. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Is it David? Oh, no, it's actually Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Go ahead. What? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. I've been listening to you an awful long time. I, you finally converted me into a Mac person. I'm buying a iPad 2 and taking delivery in about two weeks. I do have a little anxiety attack. Uh, I've been doing some research on it, and I need it as a school teacher to use it attached to an overhead projector. Right. VGA port. And I'm hearing now that it doesn't completely mirror through VGA. You know it does. Oh, through VGA. No, you want the um, HDMI adapter, but you can get a secondary adapt- adapter that takes the HDMI and makes it VGA at a greater cost. Well, I understand. I do have the output uh, connected to power and HDMI. Okay. But- the new iPad 2 mirrors uh, everything, including the even the... The home screen, the icons, right out the HDMI port. Yeah, but through HDMI to VGA to VGA? Well, actually, now they're telling me in the chat room that the new iPad 2 does the same over VGA as well. So you are you're, you don't even need the special adapter. Well, I need that because I want power on at the same time. Ah, I get it. So, yes. Okay. So, so you're in great shape. HDMI to a VGA adapter to a VGA overhead projector will work. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> in fact, that was a big shift in the iPad 2 that I was very happy about. I think it has to do with the higher end graphics processor in this. But uh, now you can actually, and I tried it and it was great. I, I put it into my big screen TV. I could see the iPad interface, but best of all, I could play games on my 60 inch screen. Now that's cool. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. Kevin in New Mexico is our next caller. Hey, Kevin, Leo Laporte. Thanks, Leo. Um, yeah, I'm just in a quandary here because I'm talking on the original LG Envy phone, which is about, what, four years now? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember know. the Envy. I'm surprised you stuck with it that long. That was a I found that phone fairly frustrating to use. Yeah, well, yeah, it has. It, it pretty. It's been very durable, and so it is that, durable. That's nice. Yeah, but that, it, durable know, enough that it's still around. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, and I'm a Verizon guy, of course. That's what I've got. Um, now I've been hearing all kinds of things about the Bionic, and I just don't know if I should wait for it. Or go with the Thunderbolt. I don't know which one's going to be the better phone. Well, I'm waiting for the Bionic, but I got to tell you, um, the issue, these are both droid phones. The Thunderbolt's current. Uh, it's essentially an Evo. 
uh, which is the Sprint phone. It's a 4.3 screen. I love those big screens. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of the, it's got an 8 megapixel camera. I'm a big fan of HTC's, uh, you know, every, it's sad, but every handset manufacturer seems to have to somehow put their own stamp on these things. And uh, I like HTC's uh, stamp as opposed to Motorola Blur, which I'm not as crazy about. Um, but the Bionic is going to have one big advantage. It's going to be dual processor. Right. And I think that that's going to be pretty sweet. What we don't know, and it's a big issue, is what the battery life is going to look like. Frankly, I didn't. the Thunderbolt battery life is pretty bad. Uh, the Droid Bionic, we don't know because it's not out yet. And so nobody can, nobody's been able to test it. You know, the manufacturer will say one thing, uh, but we don't know. Um, they, they increased the battery size or something compared to, like, the, the, the X? Well, they have to. <laughs> it's got a dual yeah. processors, a 4.3-inch screen. It thing is, uh, is sucking down the juice. Oh, I'm sure. So, I mean, really, the display is what uses up all the battery. Uh, the, both the Evo, the Droid X, all these 4.3-inch. 4, 4. I love a 4.3-inch display. I love it because I love all that real estate. It's easy to read. It's just great. But it really, uh, the, the screen really eats uh, juice. Now, we're hearing, according to um, uh, some leaks, that June 9th will be the day for the Bionic. Thank you to uh, Chai Mike in the chat room for passing along that link. So that was we, a question. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 soon. That's not too long to wait, but it is a couple of months. Yeah. Well, I waited. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, you, you've got the Thunderbolt in hand, or the you know the single processor in hand, or the two processors in the bush, and I don't know what you should wait for, given that we just don't know what the battery life will be. It's it can't be. Wor- Let's put it this way: it can't be worse than the Thunderbolt. Do you, do you, uh, it, if your use is that you want to go, uh, you know, eight to ten hours without plugging it in, I, I, I don't think that's a good choice. But if you are, and as I am, I'm always near a charger, either in the car or in the office or at home. So I just plug it in. I don't need to go more than a few hours without between charges. So I, that's not as much of a concern for me, except when I'm on the road. Yeah, that's not an issue with me because I'm always on the road. So I've always got. So, you know, as long as I've got a, a car charger, I'm good to go. So it Right. So. Yeah. So I just, I just don't, I can't, I don't have the information to give you the right answer on this, but I am waiting. I didn't, I did not buy a Thunderbolt. I don't have, currently I have a Verizon account with no phone. I lent my Droid X to one of my employees who promptly lost it. <laughs> and so I'm without a Verizon phone and I'm eyeing this Thunderbolt. It looks great, but I think I'll wait. I think I will too. Okay, thanks, Bill. Hey, thanks for the call. Yeah, you've been waiting two. What? How many years? Five years? How long have you had that envy? You can wait. A, you can wait two more months. And you know the neat thing about Android phones, and I know this is one of the things that drives people crazy about Android phones. But the neat thing is, if you don't like the current crop, there'll be. It's like a you know the city bus. There'll be another one along in a minute. There, they. Uh, this is the both the plus and the negative of the Android phones. You know the iPhone. I don't think we're going to see an iPhone this June. I think it will have been 18 months between iPhones. So it's an easy thing. If you want an iPhone, you're going to get an iPhone 4. A little more complicated if you're buying an Android phone because there are numerous manufacturers, all with different features, and it's kind of hard to decide uh, uh, you know, which one you want and so forth. 
The good news, in my opinion, now is that, you know, for a while when iPhone was completely dominant, uh, you had no choice of carrier. You go with AT&T. Now you can go with AT&T or Verizon. The good news is because Android phones are on all the carriers, every one of them, you can choose the carrier first, which is really what you should do. It should be based on how well a carrier works in your neck of the woods. That's really how you should choose a phone. Then, you know, once you decide, oh, AT&T's best here or Verizon's best here, then, or Sprint's best here or T-Mobile's best here, then you can decide uh, which phone and, you you know, you you choose the carrier first. That's how you should do it. I like that kind of a choice, but I know consumers go, oh, it's overwhelming. There's too many choices. And so that, that could be a, a knock against it as well. I'd prefer choice. It's a very similar to the PC versus the Mac marketplace, isn't it? Uh, with a PC, you have a huge variety of choices. If you want to run Windows, you can get it from hundreds of thousands of manufacturers. You want to run OS X, you're going to get an Apple. Eddie in Saugus, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Hey, I, I got a little situation in my home. Um, we've got people coming usually on a, a day before uh, a non-school day, and they'll ring our bell and run away. <laughs> it's up. Do you, do, do, you, do you get toilet papered as well? Do I what? You get TP'd? We got, I have a, I, I, when I had a kid in middle school, he's a little older now, kids grew out of it. We would get, every weekend, we'd get t- toilet paper all over our trees. I would, got to be, I wanted to get a shotgun. I was just so angry. And my wife said, oh, it's funny. It's just teenagers. No, it's not funny. <laughs> I got to clean it up. What? So you want a, a security camera? Yeah, you know, something that'll get a picture of them at least. So if it's some kids in the neighborhood we might recognize, go to their parents and let them deal with them. Oh, yeah, good luck. Uh, <laughs> there are a number of choices, of course. Uh, the chat. One of the guys in the chat room says he really likes the QC. That's Q-S-E-E. Uh, it's a little security camera, the built-in light, which I like. Uh, you certainly could tie this to, um, you know, your doorbell. Um, you can, they have two, four, nine, even 16 camera solutions. We get a lot of people who want to do this for a variety of reasons. You've got a summer home, you're not there all the time. Uh, and there are a lot of good choices. Um, I, you know, I think drop cam is pretty good. Um, uh, we use a drop cam right now in our studio. You want to see what that looks like? Go to dropcam.com slash demo. And you can see we're doing the studio construction. The nice thing about the drop cam is it's Wi-Fi. It has a microphone so you can hear as well as see. And best of all, and this might be the solution you want, it records. Uh, if you pay, you have to pay for the amount of recording, but you can go back in time. Uh, and that's great. So you know when the doorbell rang, you just rewind the virtual tape on the website and go back. I like that. This one's a little not cheap. I think it's 150 bucks, but I do like the drop cams. Dropcam.com slash demo. You can see them working on our studio and you can go back in time, which is pretty cool. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guys brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866, the number two, get net. To get DSL Extreme, Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Man, I want to play air guitar to that. What is that song, Luis? That's great. Rush. Who doesn't love Rush? It's the Analog Kid by Rush. Great guitar in that. 8888-ASK-LEO is my number. 888-827-5536. Luis Oliveira at the controls today. Piloting the Starship. And Jason's on the phone. Say hi to Jason when you call. And next, John in Ontario, Canada. Hi, John. Leo Laporte here. How are you doing, Leo? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Um, I have an issue with, uh, my wife took some pictures with my ZI-8 Kodak camera. I know how much you love okay. that. Do love that camera. Although now with Flip going out of business, I have to wonder how long Kodak's going to keep making that. Yeah. Maybe it's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, she took some pictures, but she ended up using the video mode. And I wanted okay. any way to take, uh, stills from those videos. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Windows or Mac? Uh, Windows. Um, there are, you know, many of the programs that you would use to play back that video will allow you to capture a frame from that. Of course, the easiest thing to do, it's not going to be super high quality, but the easiest thing to do would be to, uh, just do a screen grab from, uh, you know, press, uh, screen capture, the screen capture button from that window. But there are other programs I use on the Mac. I use QuickTime Pro that lets me say, you know, when you are watching the video, you nudge it, nudge it, nudge it. Ah, that's a good shot, and you can capture it. It will only be at the resolution that that video was taken in, uh, but that's going to be pretty much the same uh, as what you would have get, uh, what you've gotten if you uh, if you took a, a still picture on on the uh, on the ZI8. So uh, I think that's probably okay. In fact, truthfully, even a screen grab is going to be kind of like that. Maybe the chat room knows of a program on Windows. I would say almost any uh, video player on Windows should allow you to get a. Uh, a frame grab out. VLC is a good one. That's free. The uh, VLC is from Videolan, V-I-D-E-O-L-A-N.org. You're playing back a video, and it, and it plays back almost any kind of video, including the ZI8's video, and then find where you want it, and then just get a frame grab out of it. Okay. Uh, I have one other question. You're sure. You're getting the uh, playbook. Will the playbook be able to edit videos? Uh, unclear. I don't know. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, you know, remember that there are a couple of, uh, first of all, uh, the playbook by BlackBerry, which comes out the 19th. I pre-ordered. I hope it arrives on the 19th. I'd love to talk about this next week. Um, comes with some built-in software. I don't believe it has video editing software built in. Even the iPad doesn't. You have to buy iMovie. Um, but I don't know. I didn't play with it long enough to see that part. And... Is it possible for a third party to write a video editing program like iMovie on the iPad? Absolutely. I don't know if somebody will. Uh, you can, if you're an Android developer, you can write rewrite your programs to work easily on the Playbook. And, in fact, the Playbook has an Android emulator. So uh, it's possible that you could find an Android program that will do it. I will have a better idea for you next week after I've played with this. And that's one of the things I'll try right away. If we really, I'll be honest with you, if you want to shoot and edit video... There's no better way to do it than an iPhone or an iPad. I mean, on the device. Of course, the best way to do it is to use a, a camera and edit it on your computer. But uh, but the iPad really has, that iMovie on the iPad is spectacular. Okay. All right. 
Thanks for the call. That's really the, the challenge for BlackBerry. There is a competitor. It's pretty doing pretty well right now. It's called the uh, the iPad. And it's got hundreds of thousands of apps. It's fast. It's easy to use. It's available in a variety of places. I just saw Toys R Us has them. Of course, Jesse Jackson Jr. says it's killing jobs, but <laughs> I don't think so. I think this is an amazing tool. I really like the iPad, too, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. Now, the video camera on it is terrible. Is it worse than the Flip or the uh, ZI8? Uh, yeah, I think it is. It's kind of an amazing story. I talked about this yesterday. Cisco paid $590 million for Flip. Pure Digital, the company that makes the Flip. $590 million two years ago. This week, they decided just to put the company out of business. 550 people out of work. Now, that's killing. Now, Jesse Jackson Jr., you go after that one. 550 people out of work. Uh, $590 million down the tubes. Uh, they made some money on it. They uh, sold $400 million worth of the cameras last year. But what's happened, truthfully, I think, and I think that you, it's probably just a matter of time but before Sony and Kodak and the other companies that make these little handheld video cameras go out of the business. What's happened? Smartphones, whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, they are great. You've already got it. It's in your pocket. It shoots really good video. And even better, you've got a editing software in there, and you can upload it immediately to YouTube or any other site. So, you know, I, I just got the Vimeo application. It lets me shoot and upload video directly to Vimeo, another website like YouTube. I mean, this is really cool. It's easier than the flip phone. It's as good as the flip phone and has more capability than the flip phone. Oh, and it has the thing I like on the ZI8. Actually, Kodak killed this in the most recent ZI8. It has the ability to use an external microphone. That little headphone jack on the iPhone or the iPad can also be used as a microphone. And that's nice. That's really nice. Um, I have a little external microphone that I, that I put on my iPhone. Actually, I bought this crazy thing called an Owly. Um, O-W-L-E, that you put the iPhone into. It has a wide-angle lens that screws onto the front of it. It has a microphone that you put in the side of it. They, you can even, it has a, it's, it's a heavy metal thing, so it's pretty steady, but you can all, it has threads for screwing into tripods or monopods. And you could use it, and I've seen a lot of people use the iPhone to shoot videos, to do interviews. I used it at the NAB show to get little clips of products and booths. It's pretty remarkable. So no wonder they're uh, a little worried about the flip. I wish that uh, Cisco had tried to sell a company or spin it off or something, find somebody, because it's a shame to lose all those jobs. And I don't think, I think the flip is still a product with some life in it. It's simple, it's robust, it's cheap. You're not going to give a seven-year-old a iPhone, but you might give a seven-year-old a flip cam. Marsha Brea, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Marsha. Hi there, Leo. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for calling. Oh, good. So am I. I'm wonderful, too. <laughs> well, I should have asked. I apologize. I'm rude. That's okay. I want to give you a quick update. I called you last summer and told you about my uh, hearing implant. I told you it was a little computer inside my head. So awesome. In fact, people have asked me many times since then for the website. Can you tell me again the website where you could find out more about this implant? Yes. Envoy, E-N-V-O-Y, medical.com. And you're still happy with it? Well, I have a second one. I am now the first person in the Western United States to have this, and it is. So you got one, one in each year, each year, each year. Yes, 
Uh, it is amazing. The sound is so natural and clear and crisp. It's just amazing. Uh, and you don't work for the Envoy Corporation. No, I get nothing, not a penny. Although they do use you in their uh, in their video, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Us, yes, but I totally yep. do that because uh, their product is just so awesome and oh, wonderful, and it, it is great. But for the reason I called, I have a brand new Motorola Zoom, which I happen to love. Great. You don't love it. I'm. I'm no, I didn't say I don't love it. I, I merely said it. Uh, no, I don't think it's as good as the iPad 2, but I know a lot of people who are very happy with it. I am an Android fan. Uh, I think they will fix a lot of the issues with Honeycomb as time goes by. Right. I think just a, a good a good touch operating system on a tablet is just a breakthrough. Right. Whether it's whether it's the Zoom, the Playbook, or the iPad, I just think the iPad of the three is probably the winner. Right. Well, I have the Droid X, so it was just sort of natural for me to go to the Zoom. Sure. And I am looking for the swipe keyboard that... Ah. Hang on for a second. I'll talk a little bit about that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. I was talking to Marcia in Brea, California. She just bought a Zoom, X-O-O-M, the Motorola Zoom, which is uh, their tablet running on the Honeycomb operating system um, uh, of Android, Honeycomb version of Android operating system. And it, you're looking for swipe, Marcia? I sure am, because it works so great on the Droid. I love Swipe. I now, um, the the Droid comes with Swipe, which is really nice. And in fact, I think that's a that's a really a great additional feature of the Droid X. But in order to get Swipe for other phones, you have to join their beta program. I don't know if they make a tablet version of Swipe, and this is where we get into a little trouble with the Zoom because it's such a big screen. Sometimes uh, companies that make um, products for the smaller screens don't adapt them for the larger screen. So swipe is s w y p e i n c dot com. Okay. It's a really it's a great alter. You know, it's funny. Andy Yanako, who does our Mac Break Weekly show, and is a big iPhone fan, and has for years dissed Android. We, he and I have a fight because I love Android, and uh, he recently started playing with, I can't remember if it was a Droid X or something else, but it had Swipe on it. And now he's saying, well, you know, Android's not that bad. I kind of like Swipe. You'll never see Swipe. You'll never see Swipe on uh, iPhone because Apple doesn't let alternative keyboards on. So you can only get it on an open operating system like Android where you don't have to get the permission of the company. Now, Swipe's business model, uh, it was Gina Trapani who turned me on to Swipe. Her, their business model is to get people like Motorola to build it into the phone. 
Uh, I'm kind of surprised Motorola did not build it into the Zoom. It's my thinking that perhaps they didn't because they don't have a tablet version. I noticed that they do offer it on the Samsung Galaxy S, however. So what I would do is go to swipeinc.com. You'll see the uh, swipe beta link in the lower left-hand side. Okay. And you can uh, and apply to be part of the beta. What will happen... So if your phone came pre-installed with Swipe, do not use this. What will happen is you, you'll register and then they'll send you an email. At least this was my experience saying, welcome to our beta program. And then they give you a link and you can download it. Oh. Let me see here. It says available for HVGA, WVGA, and FWVGA screen sizes. Uh, oh, they're going to QVGA. So it may be, you'll have to, if you go to Swipe Inc. and look at the... Uh, the resolution, they go up as high as WSVGA, which is 1024 by 600. What is the zoom display? I can't remember. So this is the issue is we'll, you know, and it might look kind of funky on the wrong size display. I tried swipe on a, on a screen size that didn't support and it didn't really work very well. So encourage them. It's a funny company. When, when Gina Trapani talked about this, keyboard uh, they got mad at her <laughs> they said well, we don't want we don't want people putting it on their phones we want to sell it to uh, companies and have them put it on the phones we don't want to support end users and then they decided thought better of it and decided to do a beta uh, and allow people to do install it themselves i love it so what's different about swipe well instead of tapping on the keys as you do on an iphone or an android phone tippity tap tippity tap um you swipe you move your finger around. So if you're going to spell love, you start on the L and then you drag your finger over to the O, then down to the V and then up to the E and then you release it. So you, you're drawing a pattern on the screen. It turns out the phone can figure out based on patterns what you meant to type. It's actually very clever. If you have a double O, if you want to type Google, put your finger on the G, you go to O and you go whoop, you go to a little loop-de-loop over the O that says two O's. Back to the G, L, and up to the E, release. Sometimes the keyboard says, well, that could have been four words. It'll show you the words you picked the one you want. It highlights the one it thinks is the best. Most of the time it gets it right out of the box. And you can do this much faster than typing. You're drawing on the screen. You only release and uh, tap at the beginning of every word. I love it. I use swipe in all my Android phones. It's so much better. And then when I have to go back to an iPhone and tap, tap, it's, it's, I find it frustrating. So I don't blame you, uh, uh, Marsha, for wanting to get this on your uh, Zoom. It is on the Samsung Galaxy S, which I like a lot. It's one of the reasons I like it. Uh, you'll have to join the beta of swipe and see if it'll work on the Zoom. I think swipe is brilliant. You know what else is brilliant? Carbonite.com. I've talked about this before. Our great sponsor. Carbonite is the right way to back up because it's automatic. You don't have to think about it. I use Carbonite. In fact, I put it on my daughter's laptop when she went to college because, first of all, she wouldn't have to know about it or think about it. It just does it. Whenever she's online, securely, it uploads it to her Carbonite account. All your pictures and files backed up automatically. In fact, it's unlimited. She doesn't have to. She's not going to get a notice saying, oh, you've done too much. You have to pay more. No. It's less than five bucks a month for all the personal data on her uh, laptop, on her internal drive. And if something bad happens, she loses the laptop or uh, there's a crash, or she, even if she accidentally deletes the file, she can get it right back from Carbonite. She just goes to Carbonite.com. Here's the beauty of it. Anywhere, 
So she can go to another computer at the library. Let's say she loses her laptop at college. She can go to the library computer and, and log into her Carbonite account. There's all her stuff. She can continue on as if, you know, nothing happened. There's an iPhone app, a BlackBerry app, an Android app too. It's this kind of innovation and entrepreneurship that made Carbonite the ninth fastest growing private company in America. Inc. Magazine said that. Unlimited backup for your PC or Mac. Anytime, anywhere. Access less than $5 a month. Try it free for 15 to 14 days at Carbonite.com. You don't need a credit card. Carbonite.com, but you got to use my name, Leo. And if you decide to buy, they'll take that 12-month subscription, make it 14 months. Two free months, but you got to use my name, Leo, again. I'm sorry. you got to type it twice. That's why my name's short. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Leo. It's backup done right. you got to back it up. If you want to get it back, do it right. With Carbonite. Denise in Santa Clarita, California. Hello, Denise. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Carl. Thanks for calling. Well, first thing I want to do is thank you for turning me on to Carbonite. I just heard you talking about it. It's working for you? Well, my daughter and I have uh, a website for embroidery designs. Oh, that's great. What is the name of it? It's Nellie Beans. N as in Nancy, E-L-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. Like Jelly Beans, but it begins with an N. And we we digitize artwork into machine embroidery. And so our files, we have tons and tons and tons of files. And each design is in eight different formats. And sure, it's on our server. And we've got it on our computer, and we have it on a on a, a you know portable drive. But it's just peace of mind knowing that if all of, if everything fails, I've got it on another location. And backup so important. Yeah, even if you've got a website, backup is important. You bet. Exactly. And I, I you spend a lot of energy and time. This is your business. You don't want to mess with it. By the way, cutest website ever. Well, we're only <laughs> redesigning it. We're going with the new shopping cart, Press the Shop from France. <laughs> And we're redesigning the whole thing, and and we love this one too. But it's it's we're just redoing the whole thing. But this carbonite is I just love it. It just does it. Well, I don't thank you about it, and and I'm so glad that you you talk about it. And I listened to it, and I thought and thought, and I thought I got to do it. I got to do it, and and I did it about three months ago, and and I just love it. It's I don't even think about it, and it's and every now and then I look and make sure it's green, and yep, it's doing it, and it's doing all the little dots. <laughs> That's great, and it's so it's so awesome. Well, they just got an extra ad. I want to send them a bill, will you, Louise? <laughs> yeah, you <yeah. laughs> Great. So what can I do for you today? Well, I have a Verizon account, and I've got a storm that was eligible for an upgrade in December, and so I want an iPhone, and and I've been waiting because I... I... Good. Get rid of that storm. I, I, I don't know how you've survived so long with that thing. I know. I know. It's I... just an iPhone wannabe. Wait till you get the iPhone. You'll go, oh... This is what they were going for. My daughter that I do the Nelly Beans with, she just got the iPhone on because uh, we share a Verizon account. She's oh my gosh, mom, you got to get it, you got to get it. Yeah, yeah, she's right. One is the five, you know, and then uh, now I just heard you say, well, the five might not be coming out for a while because I'm okay. no the five. No, I wouldn't hold out for the five. It doesn't look like it's going to be out in June. I would. I understand you're waiting, uh, but I think because they introduced it on Verizon just in January, I think that. They're not anxious. If the 5 comes out, it might come out this year, but it'll be later this year. Oh, okay. I wouldn't keep waiting. I'd go out and get it, and, and you'd be. I think you'll be very happy with it. I don't anticipate huge jumps. The 5 will probably have that new processor they put in the iPad, too, so it'll be a little bit faster. 
it might have a better screen, although I don't see how you could get any higher resolution on that screen and still be usable. So I don't I don't anticipate big changes in the 5. I think you'll be fine with the 4. Well, then my other thing is, I have a... Quickly. Touch. Yeah. A, a second touch. Your, your touch, don't worry. Anything you bought on your account transfers right over. All your apps are the same. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and the works, all that stuff. If you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you, 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number, 888-827-5536. We got cut off towards the end there, I ran out of time, with Nelly Beans... Uh, but I, I know the screener told me that what she wanted to know, she's got an iPod Touch. She wanted to know if she got an iPhone 4 or if she waits for the iPhone 5, if the apps she purchased on the Touch uh, will copy over. Absolutely. This is one of the nice things Apple does with that store uh, is that uh, once you buy them, any phone with that account will have the same apps. Uh, so you've you presumably been syncing it up to your computer from time to time. If you buy an app on your phone, before you get the new phone, make sure you sync the old phone up. I'm sorry, the iPod Touch up. What am I saying? If you buy an app on the iPod Touch, make sure you sync it up before you buy or uh, install the new phone. And it will copy any programs bought on the iPod Touch over music too, videos too, so that they're all on the computer. And then when you uh, first attach the phone, it says, oh, okay. Uh, would you like me to copy all this? And you say, yes, copy it all over. There are programs that, I don't know, actually, are there programs that won't run on the iPhone but will run on the Touch? I don't think so. Vice versa, yeah. There are programs that require the iPhone's phone capability. Those obviously aren't going to work on the Touch. But there there are very few. I I think everything you have on the Touch should work just fine on the iPhone. And yes, uh, of course, once you've paid for it, unlike music, the uh, iTunes store will let you re-download anything you've paid for. So if you buy it and you somehow lost it, you still can get it for free again, which is very nice. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the, uh, that's the phone number. Nike Plus. Oh, that's a good one. So the Nike Plus only works on the touch but not on the phone because the phone doesn't have the Nike Plus capability. That makes sense. Denise in... Oh, that was Denise. So there you go. Denise in Santa Clara. There's your answer. Chuck Chung Coles. From the United Kingdom. Calling from England, Chung? Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask you, it's John, by the way, as in... You know. Oh. <laughs> Jason has some interesting spelling. He spelled it Chung. But hello, John. <laughs> 
I wanted to ask you what you thought of the new Blackmagic Atom TV studio, because I'm going into live streaming, and I currently use Wirecast from Telestream with a Korg Nano. Uh, I was really impressed with what Blackmagic was doing. In fact, I was quite blown away. Um, Blackmagic is a company that's been known in the Macintosh world for a long time. They make quite a few uh, uh, add-ons, cards, and so forth for video. Um, in the uh, Mac world, and they are now making, I guess, I, maybe they've been doing it before, but they're making switchers. Now, uh, of course, they make very expensive switchers, but I was very impressed with, there's a $1,000 switcher that uses uh, software, uses your laptop, so it's just a little hardware interface to the cameras. Pretty impressive. I am, I am really impressed with what they're doing. Uh, what's your budget? Well, I was going for like the, the smallest one, so the nine ninety five yeah. one. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the one I was looking at and was so very impressed uh, with. It uses a laptop, so the nine ninety five Atom Television Studio is basically just a box with four HDMI connectors. It says six inputs, but um, I think really only four of them can be video. The others might be computers. You do get a chroma key. You get to do lower thirds, that kind of thing. Uh, you have a f- two still stores, uh, and you have down. You could do downstream keying and transitions. Now it's not out uh, till July, but I was mightily impressed by this for a thousand dollars. And I think there's some advantages to doing this over Wirecast. Although Wirecast is an excellent product, and I certainly wouldn't discourage you. Uh, but a couple of advantages. Uh, first of all, Wirecast is basically a software product. In order for you to use more than one or two cameras, you need to have additional inputs into the machine. Uh, And it's doing it all in software. This is kind of a hybrid. It's a software-controlled hardware switcher. So if, for instance, your computer crashes, you're not off the air. Uh, The physical hardware will continue to, you know, you won't be able to switch, but at least one camera will still be going until you reboot your system. So it's a little more mission critical. I mean, that may not matter if you're a video podcaster or that kind of thing but i i think that that's a a nice feature uh you know i didn't get to play with it so i don't know uh you know if it's if it does all it promises to do but it's pretty on 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 specs very impressive and i think black magic's a great company so i i would expect this to do a great job won't be available till later this summer i probably won't be buying one we uh we have a pretty large investment in the tricaster system from uh, new tech it's what we use now and uh, we're getting the new HD 850, but that's oh well. If you add the uh, the uh, 850 Extreme, we're talking 40 grand. You know, 25 to 40 grand. This is a thousand dollars. Pretty impressive. It was one of the things that, frankly, blew me away at uh, at the uh, National Association of Broadcasters show this week was how these solutions are migrating down to the price point where an individual like you, John, could actually do a show out of your garage. Yeah. And I love that. You know, that's what we do, essentially. We're in a little cottage here. And, you know, we've grown and we're, you know, building. But uh, it all started with a webcam. <laughs> Good luck, John. I think that's great. What's your show going to be about? Uh, I currently do one uh, mainly about the broadcast world and Wirecast. Oh, great. Oh, oh, Telestream's going to be mad at you. What's the... Uh, <laughs> traitor? What's the, <laughs> what's the uh, name of the show or where can I find it? Uh, if you go over to johncoles.co.uk slash live, J-O-H-N-C-O-L-E-S dot C-O dot U-K, 
Uh, I'm currently streaming a webcam behind me at the moment. But yeah, oh, that's neat. We can see you as you uh, talk to us. That's cool. I'm also that's great. In uh, web control of Christmas lights this year, so you might want to check back soon. I will. How fun! That's something typically American. Do people do that in England? Uh, no one I know of. I've got the control board set on my desk. Uh, still viewing the feed. That's the control board. Um, That's great. Mail me over. I can I can send you a demo of that if you want. I'd love to. I'd love to know more about that. And what do you use to stream? Are you using your own server or using UStream or? Oh, I see. It's UStream. UStream. Um, but we're going to be switching over to Justin.tv. Um, possibly staying with UStream. I want to use Livestream because they're on a pre-roll, but they have an exclusivity thing, so I was a bit iffy with that. I see. I'm seeing an ad now for Supercuts, which is crazy because I don't think they're in Britain. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's pre-roll into your uh, into your uh, uh, show, and then we get back into the show, and there you are. That's great. Well, good luck to you, John. I think this is a great idea. He's waving at us. <laughs> it's amazing. John, it's great to talk to you. John Coles dot co dot uk slash live if you'd like to uh like to watch him working isn't that amazing isn't that amazing i just uh we've doubled his viewership to 22 people <laughs> and that's why i mean really frankly that's why you don't spend 40 grand which by the way is considerably cheaper than the millions it would have cost a few years ago for a switcher in a studio, you don't spend a lot of money because there isn't a lot of revenue. But as these prices go down, uh, it makes it viable for somebody even with 20 or 30 viewers. Maybe you're not going to make any money, but you could do it as a hobby. And, you know, if you can get up to thousands of viewers, tens of thousands of viewers, then you can start making it pay. It does take a while. I wouldn't suggest anybody do this to make it, make money at it, the internet streaming or podcasting, because mostly you do it because it's a passion. It's a it's a hobby. It's something you love to do. Don't do it. Oh, he's now up to 40 viewers. You don't do it because uh, because you want to make money at it. We The podcast network I run, which is one of the few profitable ones, we had we do about 5 million downloads a month. You need to be, those numbers need to be there for you to make any money at it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More calls right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number to call to plug your show. <laughs> 888-827-5536. In all fairness, I made John plug his show. I just, I, I love supporting uh, the podcasters and uh, broadcasters of all stripes. Especially, you know, somebody's just doing it out of their house, out of their bedroom, their living room, their basement. I think that's great. I think it's so much fun. It's kind of, in some ways, it's a little bit like hams, isn't it? You know, people became ham radio uh, aficionados uh, because they like the technology, they like the gear, and they like the fact that they could broadcast and reach a large, nearly global audience uh, themselves, have their own little radio station. And this is basically the same thing, isn't it? Judy in Chatsworth, California. Hi, Judy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
Hi, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is, when I installed Microsoft Security Essentials, it gave me a message that said, um, if you add additional security software that it could hamper yeah. or, you know. Yeah, you shouldn't, you, sh- it's, you really only need to one, run one antivirus at a time. So if I wanted to use Nod32, I should remove the Microsoft yeah. Security Essentials? You don't need both. It's belt and suspenders, and and either one is sufficient. Although I do agree, Nod32 is superior. They are an advertiser. Disclaimer there, but they're faster and uh, they're a little more effective. But the part there are two reasons why you don't want them to conflict. Sometimes they use same similar techniques to install, and they get in each other's way. But more often than not, what really happens is one antivirus detects the other antivirus's signature file as a virus. So you'll get oh. false positives because they say, well, I see a virus in there. Well, no, it's 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 a signature file. I so you think. can get you can get, you know, false reports. OK, well, and let me take a moment to thank you. I called in a few weeks ago. I had the blackmail virus on my laptop. Oh, Judy. Yeah. What'd you end up doing? I ended up going to the uh, malware bite site and running that on the laptop, which enabled me to. Um, at least get it to function to where I could do a complete, I had to back up all my data and then do a complete uh, factory restore. Perfect, perfect, perfect. A plus, Judy. Thank you. Yeah, because first you got it running. You need to get running so you get your data off of it. Because a blackmailer says, you can't do anything till you give me my my, my seventy nine ninety five. Uh, they don't call it blackmail. They say, we'll fix your computer, but really it's blackmail. So you got that off to the point where you get your data off, but you were right to start over to fresh install it because you don't know what else was on there. Exactly. So I had to start from scratch, but that's okay. And of course I put um, Microsoft security essentials, you know, because when it, when it factory reloaded, it said, we recommend this. So I did. Yes. But yeah. then it said, you know, don't put anything else. Right. And I think it's fine. Um, it's free. It's, it's certainly the best free antivirus out there, but you know it, it's free, so it's not. It's probably not as fast. I know it's not as fast as Nod32. It, it the good news is it doesn't bog your system down, because Microsoft, of course, isn't going to put anything on there and make Windows slower, because that would really be embarrassing. Uh, but on, the bad news is it's probably not as effective as Nod32. It, it's up to you whether you want to spend the money. To me, forty bucks a year is worth it, uh, especially now you know what it, what the pain it is once you get the bug. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Having gone through the, having suffered through it, it's forty dollars for a whole year is nothing. <laughs> You'd pay any amount not to have to do that again. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, Judy, A plus. Well done. I think you did exactly the right uh, solution. You got your data. You saved your data, and then you said, "I'm going to really." By the way, you know, I, I just saw an ad on CNN for a company that says, "Speed up your computer. You run our." software remotely via the internet which already sends off alarm bells and then we'll fit and it's amazing we can fix it we have this new technology they'll fix it don't it's not true the 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 best way to speed up your computer is to do what you did start over i think you every year at least everybody should do that it just really makes a big difference you notice it's faster much faster yeah just by getting rid of all the you know gunk over that you've installed over time it really makes a huge difference and I and I and I bet you didn't mention it, but I bet you when you did the factory restore, you immediately ran Windows Update and got it all the way up to current, right? Yes, I did. Of course you did, because you're smart. <laughs> Thank you. Well done.
Well done. I'm, I'm, I love hearing somebody uh, faced with a problem like this, tackle it, solve it, and now you're feeling great. I am. Thank you. And thanks for, uh, you know, talking to me about not 32, because that's the way I'm going to go. Good. They'll be very happy. I'm happy. And you won't get bit. And by the way, Judy, that's it on that. And, you know, and of course, this is I have to say this. You can have the best security in the world, but you also and I, you, I don't need to tell you this. You now know that when somebody pops up a pop up that says, oh, you got bad stuff on here. Download our scan. And it'll all be better to, to be a little uh, wary of that. Not 32 will not do that. Microsoft Security Essentials will not do that. No reputable antivirus will do that. It's the bad guys that do that. And in fact, that pop-up usually comes from an infected website that the bad guys got into. They hacked to put that stuff on there. So as long as you keep these, you're doing exactly what you need to do, which is keep Windows up to date. Very important. Uh, Last Tuesday, Microsoft shipped 64 security fixes. 60, the largest number they've ever shipped at any one time. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Now, those are 64 fewer holes, but you got to think, if there are 64 more this month, what about next month? you got to run those updates. The minute they come out, you've, you've got to learn to, you know, have alarm bells go off in your head when a, a, a site or a pop-up or anything says, install this or run this. You get an attachment in your email that's a little suspicious. When you're on Facebook and there's a link from a friend, by the way, this is how it works because they got infected first. Your friend gets infected. The bad guy sends out a message to all their Facebook friends. So it looks like it came from your friend. It says, oh, you wouldn't believe last night I got the video here and you click the link. This happened. This is a big Facebook thing. So, hey, it came from my friend. You wouldn't believe what happened last night. Oh, I could just imagine what she was up to last night. I've got to see this video. You click the link. takes you to site. Looks like YouTube. Looks like a real site. Maybe it looks like a Facebook site. And then you get a little message that says, oh, you don't have the latest version of Flash. But don't worry. Here, click this link. We'll download it. Should an alarm bell go off? Yes. It's not really YouTube. It's not really a Facebook site. That was a real message from your friend, but they were hacked. You're going to be hacked, too, if you click that yes. Download the Flash update, which is malware. And now, among other things, it's going to send a message out to all your friends saying, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. Here's the video to prove it. So you're, you're starting to get this. I don't want you to be paranoid. I don't, I don't want you to not compute. I just want you to have a reasonable amount of suspicion. The bad guy needs to get you to do something. They need to get you to run software, to download and run some software. They're going to try all sorts of clever techniques to do it. Don't fall for it. Don't click links in email. Be very suspicious of links on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter. Don't just open those links. And when the link looks real but says you need to download something, think about it. Look at the URL. Make sure you're really on the YouTube site, not some hacker version thereof. And, and Judy, you did the right thing. And see, now, anytime you get bit like that, now you know. You said, I'm not, eh, not going to happen again. That was a weekend down the tubes. 8888-ASK-LEO. Be very careful. But it's fine to get online. It's safe if you know what you're doing. I am the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right. Try it free for 14 days, two weeks, without uh, any credit card. You just need my name, Leo. C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E.com. Offer code Leo for Mac or PC. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. What is this song? Ah, there we go. I didn't. I never hear the middle part there. I, I recognize the guitar riff. Let's go to Lancaster, California. Robert on the line. Hey, Robert, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan. So my father and I have both been listening to your show, him a lot longer than me. We're both big fans. And I'm always coming over to his house in Burbank with my iPad. And he has never been very tech savvy. He's in his 60s. And uh, he goes, oh, what's wait a minute. He listens to my show, but he's not tech savvy. That's correct. He's working on it. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be tech savvy soon. <laughs> Keep up the good work. That's great. Yeah. Now, he likes the iPad. And so naturally, you know, I'm always pretty excited about the notion of him getting the iPad so I can set it up. Yes. Stuff. Yes. Um, he... He sees a lot of different tablet PCs out now, and he's starting to wonder. If oh, no, no, no. iPad. No, no. iPad. <laughs> no, no, no. iPad. I, You know, I gave my mom an iPad. She's 77. Loves it. Gave my wife an iPad. She is, uh, my mom's more technically literate than my wife is. Loves it. I gave my brother-in-law an iPad. He was, he just had heart surgery. He wanted something he could sit in bed with and watch shows, movies, play games, and Get some email done. Loves it. It is a great device, especially for the technically non-literate. That's why Apple sold, what was it, 17 million, something like that, in the first nine months. They're going to sell another 20 or 30, maybe even 40 million this year. This is a new generation of computing that is much better for the non-technical, I think. it's First of all, security is not an issue. It's very it's secure. Uh, it's easy to use. Yeah, it's not, you know, for you and me... Uh, we want, you know, we want a laptop. We want more power and a keyboard and all that. But I have to say, none of the tablets that will be out this year. And now I'll, I'll get a playbook in a couple of days. But I've already played with it. The Zoom, no. Um, none of the Samsung Galaxy S. I like it, but it's not. It's no. Get the iPad. So definitely the iPad. Oh yeah. There's no. In my mind, you know, Steve Jobs when he came on stage to announce the iPad too said, "This is." 2011 is the year of the iPad, and I think he was right. He dissed all the competition. You know, he said, they're not here, they're not ready yet. I thought they would be, because, remember, it took him three years to make a decent iPhone replacement. I think the new Droid phones are pretty close. The Android phones are pretty close. But uh, I don't think it'll take him three years, but it's going to take him more than nine months. It's, it's, I think we're a year off before we see tablets that really can compete. Hmm. Okay, yeah, the biggest deal is the uh, iHeartRadio app to listen to KFI, too. Yeah. The uh, iPad <laughs> iPad is, I think one of the reasons the iPad is so successful is because it can be many things to many people. So it's kind of a personal TV for some, because you can watch videos on it, and there's Hulu, and there's Netflix. It's a, for me, I use it almost like a newspaper or a magazine. I'm constantly scanning news on it. Um for you, it's a radio. You know, you put Mog or Ardio or Rhapsody on it. It's also a music player that can stream from the internet. You can listen to iHeartRadio. You can listen to any radio station in the country. Um, I mean, this is just a remarkable device for gaming, 
for content consumption. Um, you look at GarageBand and iMovie, you can even create content to a degree on it. I think this is a very impressive device, and there's nothing even close for ease of use and variety of applications. There's just nothing. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, so get it for your dad. I, you know, I, I've, I've seen many, many older folks who, for whom a computer is really too much. My mom also has a MacBook. She, used, she loves the iPad. My wife has a MacBook. She loves the iPad. I wish I didn't buy those MacBooks. <laughs> Steve Wozniak said, and I think he's right, he said this recently. I actually said it when I first saw the iPad a year and a half ago. He said, this is the computer Apple wanted to build, but the technology wasn't there. This is the, this is the computer for the rest of us. Now, I admit, as a geek... I say, well, what? I want to have Python and Perl and Ruby on there. I want a terminal command line. I want a file system. <laughs> I, I want a lot of things. I want Flash, but I'm a geek. Dad doesn't care. Dad just wants to use it. I, I truth, truly think that this is the computer for the rest of us. This is the appliance computer that the Macintosh was intended to be. But we, the technology just hadn't advanced to that point yet. Uh, and they've really done a remarkable thing with the iPad. I was one of the most bullish people when it came out. I I was the guy who said, "Oh, they'll sell they'll sell five million in the first year. It's going to be a huge hit. This is what Apple always intended to create." And I and people la- laughed at me and mocked me, and I was wrong. I underestimated it. <laughs> I, I I I was being I was five million a year. I was being pretty aggressive in the sales projections. They sold three times that. I know so many people, uh, J5 in our chat room saying he knows a 90-year-old friend who has it and loves it. There's something about the touch, the intimacy, the size of it that just makes it different from a computer. I mean, of course it's a computer under the hood. We, you and I know it's a computer. But it's, it's somewhat something uh, different for you know, non-geeks. And, and I think uh, deservedly successful. We'll see. Well, you know, I'm sure uh, Samsung's Galaxy Tab is a pretty impressive device. I'm sure it'll get better. It'll get closer. But right now, I have to, you know, I sound like a fanboy. Like I said earlier, it's not about team. It's not a team sport. I am not wearing my Apple colors here. I'm just calling it like I see it. This is the closest, this iPad 2 is the closest thing to computing perfection I've ever seen. I, it, when I first held an iPad, I said, I feel like I'm actually, no, my daughter said this. She said, I feel like I'm, I'm, this is the future. I'm looking at the future. It is w- one of those things that happens once in a while in technology where there's just a remarkable shift. And that's what this is. And it's non-trivial. It's not easy for somebody to duplicate this for a lot of reasons, not just hardware. Terry's in Novato, California, just down the road a piece. Hey, Terry, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Thank you for taking my call. I am interested in replacing a uh, home desktop, and I'm looking at a Dell all-in-one. What is your opinion of those? I'm a, I'm a big Dell fan. If you're going to get a Windows machine, all my Windows machines are Dell. Um, the problem with all-in-ones, and Dell's basically copying Apple's iMac design, because people love the idea of no wires, of something gorgeous on the desktop. It's it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like an ugly beige box. It looks like something nice. Uh, the only negative is if something goes wrong in that all-in-one, the whole thing goes back. 
So my son's iMac lost its hard drive. Oh, I'm out of a computer. There's no way I can, you know, on a, on a PC, a tower case, you just take out the drive, put in a new one, you could do it yourself. You're not down. But I had to bring it to the Apple store because there were no user serviceable parts inside. I imagine it's the same for the uh, Dell on one. Got it, got it. But that's not, that's a minor thing. You know, nowadays people don't upgrade computers. They don't, they don't mess with the insides. They just buy it. They want an appliance. Pretty true because, uh, you know, we're looking at probably keeping it for, six eight years yeah i think i think and dell makes great stuff dell like every other computer manufacturer has been pressured by lowered margins they can't charge what they used to charge i mean look at these great prices well there's a downside to the great prices is they've unbundled the cost of support so you get for free you get pretty poor support if you if you get a dell and you want uh decent support you might want to look at buying the upgraded support plan i don't i'm not talking about the extended warranty I'm talking about, they have an actual support plan. I can't remember what it is, gold support or something like that, where you get somebody intelligent on the phone. If you think you're going to need support, I would spend the money on that. Okay, okay. Uh, any advantage in a um, AMD processor versus uh, the Core i3 or i5? I, I would get an Intel. Get the Intel. They're better. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte, the tech guy. Last segment of the day of the week. Last few calls. We talked yesterday, and I don't want to belabor it, about the FBI closing the poker uh, sites. Full Tilt Poker, Poker Stars. If you go there now, you'll get a big FBI warning. Uh, I, I think this is... Uh, a little disappointing, to be honest. I'm not a gambler. I don't gamble. I was in Vegas for five days, didn't spend one nickel gambling, because I think it's a sucker bet. I don't do it. But if you enjoy it and you do it, it's fine. It's legal all over the country. There's poker houses, poker card uh, card clubs all over, I would say, in every town in this country. There's Indian casinos. There's Las Vegas. There's Atlantic City. If you're a gambler, there are plenty of places to do it. I don't understand why it's okay that that's okay, but not okay to gamble online. I'm 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 sorry. I'm confused. What? Uh, YouTube's closing. Uh, I mean, sorry, Google's closing Google Video, putting all their eggs into the YouTube basket. I hope they let you export the Google Video you've got stored there out. There's closing it at the end of the month. That's a shame. There's some great stuff on Google Video. Really good stuff that's not on YouTube, but I guess it makes sense. Why do they need both? But there should be a button you can press if you're a owner of a Google video account that transfers all your files over to YouTube. Would you please do that, Google? Please? Google's first quarter earnings, not bad. <laughs> uh, 8.5, this is in three months. $8.58 billion in revenue. Almost $3 billion a month. Profit. 2.3 billion, almost a billion a month in profit. 
That's a 27% increase over the same quarter last year. But watch this. Analysts thought they'd do better, so the stock will go down. Google revealed some stats for Android app downloads on Android up 50% from the fourth quarter of 2010. Three billion Android apps installed worldwide. And yes, 350,000 devices being activated. That means being activated means in somebody's hand being used every day. 350,000 new ones. Well, if I do my math correctly, that's uh, something like 10 million new devices a month. Wow! I guess you could say it was a success. Uh, Andrew from Mission Viejo, California, listening on the great KFI. Hi, Andrew. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Thanks for being there. My pleasure. I love this. I, I got the best job in the world. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Say, I had to uh, recently uh, reset uh, my router, and it came back unsecured, and I want to make it secure. And A wireless router? Yes, wireless. Okay, only one. Uh, let me tell you how to secure a wireless router. You're absolutely right to ask this question. First, most important thing you do, turn on encryption. There will be several choices. The one to use, if you've got it, is WPA2. That will require, just the first time you log on, a password from any computer. After that, the computer remembers it. That's all you need. That keeps people from using your network and from spying on what you're doing. It's great. It also prevents things uh, you know, uh, like, uh, what is the name of that uh, program on Firefox that lets you snoop around? That keeps people from snooping. Good. But that's not all you do. You also want to change the default name and the password so that if somebody should get access to the, the physical hardware, they can't get in there and change things around. You, you also want to turn off the ability to administer it wirelessly. Sometimes they call that WAN administration. You don't want, there's no reason anybody out there should be able to log into your router and change settings. Even if you've changed the password, turn off WAN administration. And I personally, this is controversial, but I personally recommend turning off something called UPnP. This is a technology Microsoft created that allows a program running on your computer to open holes in your router's firewall. Uh, The Xbox 360 particularly likes to do this to give it better access. It will complain when you turn off UPnP, let it. Uh, because it really isn't a safe technology. It's not something you want to do. Yeah, you don't want to, if a bad guy gets, a, you know, you, you click by accident, download a program on your computer, you don't want the bad guy then to be able to configure your router and say, come on in, guys! That wouldn't be good. So turn off UPnP, change the name and the password of the router, turn off WAN administration, turn on WPA2 networking, give it a good password. Oh, I meant to talk about this today. When I come back, I'm going to tell you, the surprising thing I learned about passwords today that you will be happy to hear. But first, I got to tell you about Carbonite. It's backup done right. Say it with me. Backup done right. Is it Carbonite time or not 32 time? I'll tell you about Carbonite another time. It's still backup done right. But I also want to tell you about not 32. I didn't talk about it all day today. Shame on me. Not 32, the best little antivirus no one's ever heard of. That's what Fortune dot com called it well you've heard of it nod 32 antivirus is the fastest lightest weight antivirus for windows you could try it free for 30 days you've heard me talk about it on this show several times now it's just the best i've been using it for years if you go to 
E-S-E-T. That's the company that makes it. E-S-E-T dot com slash Leo. You could try it free for Windows. Or call 866-935-E-S-E-T. Try it free for 30 days. You'll see what I mean. It's fast. It's lightweight. It's the most effective. Hasn't missed a virus in the wild in 10 years. And that's not what I say. That's what the independent and prestigious virus bulletin says. CNET gave it five out of five stars. I don't know why I have to tell you this. You should just trust me. ESET.com slash Leo. On the Mac, they've got cybersecurity for the Mac. It's excellent. ESET.com slash Mac. And don't forget to like them on Facebook. They like to be liked. ESETUSA. So it's Facebook.com slash ESETUSA. And they have special promotional value and exclusive content and stuff. So it probably is worth liking them. On Facebook. If you use Windows, say it with me. You need Nod32 antivirus. So I just read a really interesting article. It's a it's pretty technical about passwords. I've always said the best passwords long and random. The problem with long and random, it's hard to remember. Right? So if you are allowed spaces, if you're not, I guess you could use punctuation in a password, but if you're allowed spaces in a password, the truth is three random English words, or if you want to make it easy to remember, three rhyming English words, flip, flop, top, are as hard to guess as, a, as an eight-letter completely random password. I'll put a, I'll put a link in my uh, show notes. Really interesting article. The problem with AXZ percent sign exclamation mark dollar sign two is it's a good password, but very hard to remember. But rub-a-dub tub, easy to remember, just as hard to brute force. Turns out just as hard to crack. So I'm going to start using uh, real English words in my passwords from now on. This is fantastic. I was just kind of blown away by this article. They do the math, and they satisfied me by uh, by looking at the math. That actually, it, it it makes sense. One word, no, bad. One English word would that because it's easy to do a, a, you know, if you use orange, they'll crack it in seconds. Two words, orange potato. Pretty hard. Three words, almost impossible. Don't make it something that somebody could guess, like the name of your, you know, your your three names. Leo Gordon Laporte. That'd be bad. Make it three kind of random words or words that make sense to you, perhaps. Yellow potato French fry. That's a good password. That is not a guessable password. And it's a lot easier to remember. The reason being that a hacker can do, uh, you know, a dictionary search for the first word. They can do that in you know, if, if it's an uncommon word, they could do that in an hour or so. But then you add a second word, they've got to find the first word and then find the second word. That's not twice as long. That's considered geometrically longer. And then to do the same thing for a third word, almost impossible. Hundreds of years to figure out. Wow. I, it's changed my whole thinking about passwords. So if you're setting that WPA2 password, it's okay to do rub-a-dub-flub. Don't do rub-a-dub-dub. Don't do a phrase that's common. But three random words would be very very good. And if you want, you know, make it really crazy, uh, put uh, percent signs instead of spaces or some random punctuation to make it even harder. Mickey Mouse, not a good password. 
Mickey Dog Turnip. A very good password. See, you learned something today. Hey, thanks for joining me. I'll see you next week. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week.